This podcast was made in partnership with the Flues app. When you sign up with Flues using my referral code GeoBreezeTravel, you'll receive three vouchers to earn up to 35% cash back on merchants such as Grubhub, CVS, and more. You'll also earn a high cash back voucher for each friend you refer to the app. And if you would be interested in hosting a paid collaboration with Flues, send me an email at julia at geobreezetravel.com, letting me know that you're interested and I will introduce you to the marketing team. Check out the show notes to download the Flues app. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast, a show for anyone wanting to level up their travel hacking lifestyle. I'm your host, Julia Menez. I'm a travel hacker, coach, speaker, Filipina-American ENTJ who loves solid travel gear and using shortcuts on spreadsheets. On this show, I'm on a mission to bring you travel hackers from all walks of life to help you level up your travel hacking game. We dive into credit cards, miles, points, strategy, mindset, and the secrets behind how to travel the world for next to no cost. So let's get hacking. Where's been your favorite place to travel? Legoland. Legoland? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Diggerland. Diggerland was good. What's Diggerland, it's, it's a place in the UK that is just a bunch of old machinery. That's it. It's Diggerland. It's pretty genius. You just get to play with them. It's fun. Nice. But what about islands? Yeah, and remember that digger thing? Some of them, we actually went in real ones, Mama. That's true. They weren't just old. They worked. Yeah, and they were real. They were real. And I got to ride in some. Yes. This is amazing. What, what's your favorite thing about an airplane with tra- with traveling? That if it, if it's a long flight, we get to watch telly. Hello, points people. You just heard a clip from Kathleen Porter Christensen and her son. Kathleen from Triple Passport helps women and families live an international life through travel hacking, early retirement, expat life, and side hustles. She is an expat living in the United Kingdom and currently writes for the Points Guy UK after pivoting away from a career in law. I honestly struggled to find a title for today's episode because we discuss so many different topics today. How to pivot for your career, how to take a maternity leave on points and miles, how to become an online influencer, and more. Speaking of different topics, we have a ton of different topics about points and miles recorded and ready for you to watch in the Patreon. We cover beginner strategies, airlines, hotels, how to stack points and promos, and more. Check out the Patreon using the link in the show notes. And now, on with the show. Hey, Kathleen, welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Of course, we are so excited to be here. So your Instagram handle is Triple Passport. What are the three passports? I am American, and I became British. I emigrated to England and my husband is Norwegian. So actually our children have three passports. They were born triple citizens and are British, American, and Norwegian. That's amazing. And so when you were moving to England way back in the day, as we talk about your background, did you use travel hacks with that? Tell us a little bit about the background and how you got into the game. I did. I had a... I had an American card, credit card, 
And I did kind of one of the platinum challenges once a million years ago. And so that's when I got into one world. Also, I've always been between Boston and London. So that used to be serviced by American. They stopped. They're actually going to start again. But at some point I switched over to British Airways and it kind of has gone from there. I've almost always been one world, but have been travel hacking. I remember when Kayak came out and it was kind of the first aggregator and everyone was super excited. And even, you know, just it seems like it's always been part of my journey living abroad. When did you first get into travel hacking and when did you move abroad? So I did three study abroads in college. So (laughs) I went to college basically to go abroad. That had been my goal and was able to do it. So I studied in France, in London, which is how I ended up here, and also in New Zealand. So kind of got a start through that. And then by 2005, I moved over here to England to go to law school. And even that in and of itself was a hack because they actually paid me to go. And that's when kind of really the start of travel hacking and then going back and forth kind of every holiday season and summer, I just started kind of building up my my points. And then later after I had access, more access to both the US and UK credit market. What cards did you start off with? And did you do one at a time? Or were you like, hey, I have to go abroad, I should just get a whole bunch of cards now, use them throughout the year, because I don't have access to my American mailbox? Yeah, that's a good question. I always, so I've always kept a U.S. mailbox. And because, you you know, as anyone living abroad knows, you still have to file U.S. taxes. There's still a whole bunch of stuff you you still need to do with being an American. And that doesn't go away. (laughs) And we, so I really started with just having the one American Airlines card. And then later got into British Airways and did had a British Airways and a Marriott card because I, through work, ended up living in a Marriott for a year. And that really got my Marriott and hotel points going, you know, through the roof. And when you start doing that work travel is when, you know, I don't think you have to do it. And certainly not a lot of people are doing it right now, but it was what got me firmly in the game because also we talked about it so much. Just everyone that I worked with, because we were all flying back and forth to Switzerland and we were living there most of the year in hotels for tax reasons, actually, we couldn't get an apartment. So we were living in the Zurich Marriott and just building up status and getting unbelievable amounts of points. And this was right after law school when you were a lawyer? Yes. So this was when I was practicing. So this was around 2011 to 2013. I mostly was in Zurich. And then I did a few other projects in Budapest as well, where I lived in the Marriott there. Nice. So after you had racked up all of these different Marriott points, what happens next in your travel hacking journey? Yeah. So I... Actually, how I first came about the points guy with their amazing SEO was typing in kind of best place to spend your Marriott points. 
And that's where I kind of got the top list and, and made my way through it because I could kind of had my choice for the first time ever of going to any hotel in the world. So I did a week at the Vail Marriott and got to ski in Vail for the first time. I'm from the East Coast, so definitely had never experienced anything like West Coast skiing. And then we did a week in Nusa Dua in Bali at the Ritz-Carlton, which was during my maternity leave. And, and then it, you know, from there, we were able to do my favorite resort, which is the St. Regis and the Maldives. And that was just amazing. And that was after Marriott merged with Starwood. That's amazing. And so you mentioned that you went to Bali during your maternity leave. Can you talk a little bit about the planning that went into that since you were, you give birth and then you go fly to Bali? What are the logistics involved with doing that? Yeah. So I, when I was pregnant, I went to a Thanksgiving dinner in London with a bunch of expats and someone said, oh, we did the best travel on our maternity leave. I was like, interesting. And I had just, it hadn't really occurred to me that you could use that time to go travel. And I asked more questions and they had gone to Southeast Asia. And I just left that meal being like, okay, that's what we're doing. And it, in the UK, we have something called shared parental leave, which is very similar to FMLA or the Family Medical Leave Act. And my husband was able to take eight weeks. So we coordinated if I gave up eight weeks of my year long leave. So we were able to take it at the same time. And so for my first maternity leave with my oldest son, we decided to spend all the rest of our points. We spent all of them. And we flew into Hong Kong and out of Singapore, and then in between went to Bali. That's so cool. And what was the planning involved with this? Because, so I've never had a kid, but I have been told that like that maternity leave time is so that you just hide yourself from the world and then heal from the fact that a human exited you. So what's it like flying with a newborn infant, going to Southeast Asia from Europe? What was this entire experience like? It was completely life-changing for me because I would say while I was in the points hacking game before, nothing has changed my life as much as traveling with my children and nothing has made me feel more like me and more like myself. And I think a, a huge thing for a lot of parents um, and particularly mothers is after you give birth or you, you know, have a child, however you have one, it's really easy to lose yourself. And I think it's felt similar in this past year, actually, with the pandemic of just being stuck home and just wondering, you know, what, what do I like to do? Who am I anymore? Because I've given myself over to this creature. And it was really being able to explore the world with even a baby, it's something that is so magical and you wouldn't ever think of it, I think logically, of how amazing it is. And seeing the world react to that person and seeing that person react to the world 
and they're kind of an extension of you certainly at that age. So just kind of strapping, you know, for me, it was my son. So strapping him in the carrier and just hitting the streets of Hong Kong is just this kind of invigorating, completely new travel experience that I've loved so much and just would recommend to anyone once they feel safe doing so. Nice. And so eventually these magical eight weeks end, you go back home. What's next in the journey after that? Yeah. So then I went back to work and I ended up changing jobs. And when I changed jobs, I was given a few months off work for what's called gardening leave because of a non-compete. So immediately I went traveling again. And this time I went just with my son because uh, my husband wasn't able to. And really it just kicked off finding pockets of time to travel. And that's been a big thing in the way that we've traveled. We've never become a full-time traveling family, but over the years we've done many trips trying to arrange our schedules and working with our employers and now later becoming self-employed to be able to take these four, eight, 12 week trips that mean we still keep a home base and keep our kids in school or, you know, activities at home, but are able to do a lot more travel than we would get to do normally because we prioritize it. I mean, it's a very fortunate position to be in, but it also means we make sacrifices such as not living in as nice an apartment or as nice of a house year round, but getting to travel and using lots of travel hacking, of course. (laughs) You mentioned you're self-employed now. What do you do now? You're not in a law firm anymore? I'm not. I still do some ad hoc cases kind of as they come up. If one of my former employers, if they still need some help, I work on that. And there's another legal tech firm that I help out kind of on a consulting basis. But mostly I am now a travel writer and influencer. And I made a course about kind of the introduction to travel hacking in the UK, which is Intro to Air Miles. And that has been amazingly how I've created an income over the last two and a half years. How did you make that pivot to go from being a lawyer to being a travel writer and influencer? (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot of, you know, things coming together at the same time. And I had just returned to work after my second maternity leave and they were doing layoffs at work and I could kind of put myself forward. And at the same time, the points guy was launching in the UK and they had asked me to be part of their team to run the family content when they launched in the UK. How did they find you? That is a great question. I DM'd Brian Kelly, the CEO of Points Guy, and earlier during our travels and had DM'd him and said, like, you don't have enough family content. Because at the time they hadn't yet incorporated Mommy Points into their uh, site. And they at the time didn't have a lot of family content. They now do a great job with it. But this was in 2018. And he wrote back and said, you're right. Do you want to talk about it? Come down to this hotel in London. I'm meeting with some people this afternoon. (laughs) And I said, okay. And it turned out to be the formation of what became TPG UK. So it was really just 
a serendipitous event. And one of those things where like, you really just have to get yourself out there and social media can give you access to people and opportunities that you normally would never get. Did you already have some kind of portfolio of your own blog or something that you presented to Brian and said, here's what my writing style is? I had my Instagram. So I had started my Instagram probably two years before that on my, in 2016, I started it, but it was very much bare bones and, you know, the old dark Valencia (laughs) filters and kind of arty a foot with a wave in the background kind of things of it was just it's really bad I did a a reel on my glow up of my Instagram but I was able to show him that and then I had to like get to work because I had been an expat blogger so I was able to show a few pieces from that but really it was creating a few new pieces for them they were really looking for people who had knowledge and could write Uh, but also who would show up and get things going for them. Very cool. All right. So now you're working at the Points Guy UK as a writer and you're, you're building up your Instagram at the same time when you do this career pivot. Yeah, that kind of came just part and parcel. It was a bit of behind the scenes of the Points Guy stuff and also becoming, because I was meeting a lot of people in the travel space. So it was kind of networking there. I wouldn't say that it's ever become my primary kind of, or I would say for community, it's certainly been, and it's nice to have my own community that's outside of the publications that I write. But certainly if I am going to be approaching a hotel or a tourism board, What they're going to want most from me is that I write for a major publication rather than put it on my Instagram. And sometimes I create content for them directly. Like last summer, I created a video for Facebook for Visit Maine. And that was just great because that had been a dream client. I'd done the kind of influencer dream board thing where you write your top 10 clients to ever work with. And certainly, you know, I've got, I've been able to work with almost all of them. There's still a few that I'm knocking down the door, but that's pretty fun to watch that come together. So it sounds like if you want to do this kind of influencer lifestyle, a lot of things are bubbling up at the same time. You can't just focus on like one track because it also helps that you're writing for a major publication. Can you talk a little bit more about for anybody who's listening and they're like, I want to be an Instagram influencer in the travel space and also write for the points guy and also like travel hack and do all of these other things. How would you recommend getting started if they just launched an Instagram or something? So I would say that first of all, this is very much my personality to have my hand in a lot of things and be pursuing a lot of different things at the same time. I'm more of an activator in that I'm very good at starting and forming relationships and kind of having moving from one project to the next. And I have seen many more people, I've seen people completely blow up and have a ton of success being hyper-focused. And you'll hear people talk about niching down and And having your really 
tight sphere. And I think that that is really helpful. But if you're someone like me, that that does not suit your personality, then I think it is making the connections and finding out who you work well with and who you get along with, and then starting to form from those relationships. If you're someone like me, where you're like, okay, well, let's see where we can take this. Cause a lot of times I will meet someone and then try to figure out what we can do together rather than I'm looking someone for someone to do X. So if I met the right podcast, you know, co-host today, you know, if I met someone and they were looking to do that, I would probably launch a podcast. So, but it, you know, the right things haven't come together while there are certain things I've had to force a bit more. Certainly other, you know, the point sky thing was completely great, but as far as getting into other publications that I've written for, that's been a process of really just getting started slowly, finding people who do it, sometimes paying them for consultancy and sometimes, you know, trading ideas. But that has also been, it's all been through relationships. But even if you can't necessarily know where to start, a lot of times I pay people uh, for their consultancy to find out, you know, how are you doing this? I'm not against paying someone for their time. That's awesome. And a really good tip as well. And speaking of community, what is the Points and Miles community like in the UK? I assume it's smaller than the one in the US, but is there much of a Points and Miles community? There is. I think it's a lot of times it's driven by expats, but you know what? There's also a lot of British people. I think that, you know, we have less choice. We have two major airlines that, you know, we just have Virgin Atlantic and British Airways as far as co-branded cards that we can get here in the UK. British Airways is still kind of the leading airlines. So Avios are really the top currency. We pay a lot in excess taxes. So it's hard for families and the everyday person to get involved, really. So it is a much smaller community. I think that more and more people are getting involved. I think there's definitely reasons to do it. There's new partnerships with the different grocery stores here that have led to kind of starting to realize the everyday spending that can add up and using shopping portals and all of that is becoming much more commonplace. But I would say it was a reserve of, you know, white men, av geeks for a long time, but I think it is changing. You have access to the American Express program from there as well. Yes, there's there's Amex UK. I mean, I personally have both US and UK credit. So there are some differences in the US and UK Amex programs, but it's similar in that it's membership rewards. But the transfer partners are different. And so if there's anybody in the US who's thinking they want to become an expat to the UK do you just automatically get to retain eligibility into both of the programs? Or is there something special that you have to do as a U.S. citizen who moves abroad in order to still have access to U.S. travel hacking credit cards? So I would always keep my U.S. credit cards. And I think that it's, you know, a lot of them here, it depends what your income source is, really, as far as how you utilize them. 
because you don't want to be sending if your income is in a foreign currency, it doesn't really make sense to be sending it back and losing you know, money in the conversion to pay off your U.S. credit cards and earn points. You're, you're just going to lose. But I, because there aren't foreign transaction fees, most of the cards are, are still great. And things like Amex Gold, you're getting 4x on, on food abroad. And thing and with you know with Chase, you're with sorry, with the Chase Sapphire Reserve, you're getting 3x on travel and you can still use those abroad. But if you're going to get local credit, which is never as points rich as the US programs, but you can transfer with Amex. They they can pull your US credit to help you get a UK card here. Hey there, points people. Are you interested in learning some next-level tips about cards, airlines, hotels, stacking, where to find award availability, and more? Check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash travel. There, you'll find recordings of all of my monthly masterclass hangouts, as well as some special bonus content. And now, we are also doing some gift card giveaways each month to some lucky Patreon members. Check out the show notes for the link to join. This week's Patreon shoutout goes out to Claudia. Thank you so much for being a part of the GeoBreeze Travel Patreon community. So if you were looking to open another U.S.-based credit card, what's your personal process that you have to go through since you are residing in the U.K.? Do you just have it mailed to a U.S. address and then forward it from there? What do you do? I do. I have it mailed to my U.S. address. And then my cousin, you know, shout out to Chrisanna who opens my mail. She uh, usually will just, usually I get one for her and one for me. She will put some of her spending on it if I need to hit a opening, you know, within the first few months to hit the bonus, she'll put some spending on it locally and then pay me back. And I will also start using it for any online purchases. And then when I next go home, I'll get the physical card. Especially this last year, I spend almost no time. I rarely use my cards in person. And then when I'm in the US, I use my cards and in person and start doing okay then I have to start thinking again about okay I'm getting gas so I need to use this card and last summer I felt like everyone was (laughs) the bonuses were all over the place so I was so confused nice Um, my husband would get out of the car and I'd be like no 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 sorry this changed today like take this one and we don't have those multipliers in the UK so that's definitely a US based thing and and something you know as a point tagger I look forward to when I we spend a few months a year in the US so it's definitely fun to see what everyone's up to when we get home any tips for traveling with children back and forth across different continents because they're how old are they now three and five they are three and five they turn four and six this summer so in just a few months they are now pros even though they, it's amazing to me how much the little one doesn't remember that much about travel because he's been home for a year. But we did go due to family emergency. We went home. We went back to the U.S. When I'm saying home, I mean Portland, Maine. Even though I haven't lived there full time in so long, it, I still consider it home. And we went back to Maine for the summer um, last summer. So they have flown a few times during the pandemic. I would say 
the thing that's amazing about kids is they adapt to things very quickly. Their bodies are really susceptible to light and sound. And so if you can create an ideal sleep situation for them, they really will adapt to jet lag faster than adults do. And it's just making them comfortable and making them feel safe, which every parent has had to do for the last year anyway. And I really don't see it as being very different. There are definitely added things to handle with pandemic travel, as far as masks and testing is concerned, and also sanitizing and what we would do anyway. But I think it, it's, def- it's certainly worth it. Are there any particular advantages that your children have when traveling because they have three passports? I would say we, over the pandemic, really put that into perspective in that I never had the feeling that we were trapped anywhere. Because no matter what, and it, you know, it came to be Americans could still fly home, even though British people cannot go to America. My husband, as a Norwegian, cannot go to America, but he could go with me. So he, they were able to, they're able to go to America, which was huge. And then Americans can't come to England, but they can come to England because they're British. And no one can go to Norway at the moment, but we could all go there. We would have to quarantine in a hotel for 10 days, but we could go. So I think even though we have not traveled extensively during the pandemic, there was a bit of safety in knowing that we could see family, we could go if we had to. And I think that that's been a huge advantage for my, just for my sanity, really. That, that definitely sounds like an advantage. I know a lot of people during the pandemic struggled because they couldn't travel to see a family member if, if their family member had moved to London or something. And they're like, I really would like to see my sister, but I can't because she's there. Neither of us are technically British citizens, hypothetically. Yeah, that would be a tough case, but your family has found a way to hack that, which is great. Yeah, I will I will say that my greatest hack has probably been becoming British, which is something I didn't do by marrying my husband. I did do on my own, which I've always been quite proud about. But having access to free healthcare has been just a huge a huge advantage with becoming an entrepreneur and pursuing different things. It just wasn't something I had to worry about in, in making that leap and in something that I really admire when Americans are able to make the leap to being self-employed because of the huge burden of health insurance. Absolutely. I didn't even think about that right now where I'm like, oh yeah, you don't even have to worry about that because you have the National Health Service. So it's easier there to make the the switch to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. It's just not something that factors into the equation. There'd be other things with your, certainly your retirement benefits and, and other things like that. But for me, all my retirement stuff has stayed based in the US because of our worldwide taxation. And it's just been easier to keep and because my children are American, even though they are also two other nationalities, they will be taxed as Americans forever. So I keep, you know, their college accounts and everything are all in the U.S. 
because it just keeps everything easy, just makes it simpler if it's there. That is a good tip to know for anybody who has, who's thinking about doing the expat life or having children in another country so that their children have dual or triple citizenship. That's a really good thing to know about American taxes. Because the thing here is, you know, they have these great accounts in Britain that are tax-free and similar to a Roth IRA or, you know, so meaning a, you know, something you've already paid, it's a post-tax income and the growth on the account is not taxed. However, it doesn't matter that it's tax-free within the UK because I will still be taxed on it as an American and so will they. So we just keep things in the US. Nice. And is most of your travel these days paid for with points and miles? Do you get to expense it because you're a writer for the points guy? Is it paid for with influencer partnerships? How does your family afford travel these days? When travel becomes a thing again? Yes. So certainly, well, I will say I, you know, just a quick disclaimer that points guy, you know, definitely didn't expense my travel, sadly. But as a, as a freelancer, I would pay for my own and then usually how freelance travel writing works. So for anyone who wants to get into it, you pay for your own and then, or, and then you kind of get paid for the articles. So that's where points and miles can really come into handy, especially before any hotels are comping you where you can pay to stay, you know, you use your points to stay at somewhere like the St. Regis and then write a review about it. And you're able to sell that review or you're able to sell that article to a business insider or a points guy or, you know, Vogue.com, et cetera. But most of our travel, I will say I've, I'm not, we use our points and miles mostly for flights now. I almost always, I don't know, we're either, either comped on a hotel. The other thing with hotels though, you know, being very lucky to have press rates at hotels, but they're usually just two or three nights, you know, everyone, they have their choice of people and, and it's a very tight market and it's what we all get in this to do in some point we all love to travel so i am very grateful to have that you know sometimes that we're offered to do two or three nights but for us we don't like to move around that often so we will supplement the rest of the week with either points or cash and usually trying to do points nice what is the most that you've ever saved on one trip by using points and miles so that would be i priced it out that our trip to the Maldives, which was actually just my husband and I, we saved $30,000 for a eight-day trip between the flights and the hotel. And then getting free breakfast because of status. That was $100 a day. But the room was $1,800 a day. I mean, it was just, (laughs) it was just so unbelievable. Break that down a little bit for us. What airline did you fly? What points did you need for the airline and hotel? How did you earn these points and miles? What's kind of the the walkthrough of that? Yeah, so that was doing British Airways, although many different airlines fly to the Maldives. That's why it's one of the top points destinations, you know, and certainly when you're there, you have your choice. Every single points program has a hotel out there. So, I mean, even Radisson Blue just <laughs> opened, even Radisson has opened one, but you've got even got a Holiday Inn out there. 
So really, you can have your choice of any hotel program. I had Marriott Bonvoy, and I think we did end up, so we had some through a credit card offer. We had purchased some to top it up. And then I had others from actually earning them from stays. And that was what we needed at the time. It was 60,000 a night. Now it can be up to a hundred thousand a night, but you get fifth night free. And that was at the St. Regis Maldives and you could, you know, one of their overwater villas kind of with a pool and what you see. And when you picture kind of the ultimate points destination, as far as I'm concerned. And then we use British Airways Avios to fly direct from London using a companion pass that comes with one of the British credit cards, but it's very similar to the Chase uh, card in the US that has a companion voucher type where you pay half the amount of points, you still pay the taxes for your companion, but you only pay half the points. That's amazing. And you have, as we're wrapping up here, you have racked up so much knowledge about all of the different points and miles programs, both in the US and the UK. And you get to write for the points guy. You're an Instagram influencer for family travel with everything that you have learned. What is the number one best piece of advice that you have for listeners today? I would say that everyday spending can lead to extraordinary travel. That it doesn't have to be I thought that when my business travel was over, that it meant I was out of the points and miles game. And really, you never have to be getting your travel paid for. It is you can it can just be your everyday spending, and you don't have to go above and beyond. Um, and you know, obviously, we paid off every month, but that really just everyday spending can lead to these extraordinary experiences. That's such a good piece of advice. And speaking of people with good advice, can you give a shout out to somebody else on Instagram that people should go check out for awesome travel hacking tips? So I would recommend checking out Summer Hull, who is at Mommy Points. And she is the face of TPG's family division. And also she's a head travel editor there. And she's great. She's in Disney at this particular moment. She probably will be whenever this airs as well, (laughs) because she seems to go a lot. But she's just endless knowledge and endless wealth of knowledge about points and miles and really practical application for families. And and seeing her travels has inspired me so much, as well as how hard she works within the points and miles industry. Perfect. And where can we find you on the internet as well? So I am at Triple Passport, both, you know, I do have a blog and a site that is triplepassport.com. I'm on Instagram at Triple Passport. I'm at Kat Christensen on, sorry, on Twitter (laughs) that I don't use very often. I can't even think of it. But yeah, it's best to find me on Instagram, sign up for my newsletter. Uh, I'll be doing group tours next year and doing all the things, the courses, the, you know, the excitement, and just like follow along for the tips and the journey. Cool. And what will people find in your course about points and miles for the UK programs? So for the UK, mine is an introduction course, 
where it's really, if you are at the beginning and you don't know where to start, even words, lots of jargon, like churning, even, you know, what is churning? What is earning and burning? Like, what are all these terms before you start following Instagrammers and reading blogs? It's kind of what you need to read before you can even do that. And what you need to do, how you apply for the cards, how you even sign up for a frequent flyer account, because it's really for people at the absolute beginning. I want to get into this. Here we go. Most of your listeners, I imagine, are already past that point. And I'm working on a US one and also some more advanced deep dives. But I think... The information is certainly out there, but it's just packaged up that if you wanted to start from zero, you could then get to, you're on your way to earning towards a a big holiday. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Kathleen, for coming onto the show today. It has been such a pleasure getting to hear about how you travel hacked maternity leave, expat life between the US and the UK, and all of the other hacks that you shared with us today. So thank you so much for coming onto the show. No, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. If any of the cards mentioned in today's episode piqued your interest, please check out the links in the show notes for more information on any of the cards. Also, if you apply for a card using the links on that page, I may receive a commission too, so please and thank you. P.S. I hear the links work better in Internet Explorer or Safari, and sometimes the credit card applications tend to glitch out in Chrome. Additionally, it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star review, and share it with a friend. And if you would like to make even more travel hacking friends, please sign up for the Patreon to access our monthly Masterclass Hangouts. We dive deep into a particular points program each month, and you'll get to ask all of your travel hacking questions and enjoy being around other people who enjoy points and miles just as much as you and I do. If you would like an invite to the next one, head over to geobreezetravel.com slash hangouts to sign up to be on the invite list. Take care and happy travels.